Yeah, we had a couple of false starts this morning. What else is new? <laughs> so tell me again why you were late. You said you had to go to the nurse's office. That's why you were late. I was late to this podcast because I had to drop supplies <laughs> off to my daughter's, like to, to the nurse, because she needs to have like peanut butter and water and glucose tabs and like, you know, diabetic stuff on hand and they mm-hmm. run out constantly. So I'm constantly bringing mm-hmm. juices in there. But I know, I know if I go to that nurse's office, like I'm going to be there for 45 to an hour because they- Is it because you're asking questions or do they, are they chit-chatting? Or no, are like you we're just, friends. you're like actively, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, this is the first time I've seen them since like my father passed. So they had like oh, questions okay. about that. And then yeah. I have to hear, you know, like, then I want to hear about like all their stories that are similar, like when they're- <laughs> Mm-hmm. Their brother passed, yeah. or this and that. Well, it was a depressing morning, basically, in a nutshell. Oh, but, okay. Oh, okay. Great. But anyways, <laughs> like she, I, I put my foot in my mouth. I'm shocked. She I'm said so shocked. Me, you guys, so shocked. I, yeah, I knew you guys were gonna be surprised. But I, she said that she, because she met my father at a Barnes and Noble signing, and she goes, and I, she goes, I couldn't believe how young he looked. You know, I came back and I told, uh, she, I told the other nurse, like, I, I'm so old. Like he looks so young. And I go, yeah, no, you look the same age as my father. And she goes, I'm 52. <laughs> and my dad was 62. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, I'm, no, she goes, I'm 52. And I go, I, no, I meant, no, what I meant was my dad looked 52. You look young. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like I saved it, but also, and she didn't make me feel bad about it, but Jesus Christ, you know, I'm. You just can't. Well, she couldn't make you feel bad about it right now. Yeah, no. no I got the dad card. You win. I say this all the time. A football field and Tessa would find dog shit in it. <laughs> like, it's going to get it. I don't know what that's about. I like, I I can't get through a day. Something stupid. But you know what, though? It's so endearing. Like, it is just it? Is it though? <laughs> To the people you're not offending, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were actually supposed to record this episode last week, and my microphone died, like, right after we finished recording. So. Oh, yeah, like, right after. We're like, it didn't happen during, oh, but yeah. Can you imagine was, like, on a 45-minute episode, and all of a sudden... Oh, God. Oh, God. We would have just like, kept talking, probably. I know. We would have like, she's gone. We're sorry. We're never going to air that episode. I'm sorry, guys. You just, you're never going to get it. I'm not going to redo that. So It wouldn't be genuine, either. I have, like, a ton of emails, lady listener emails, so I thought we could just do an email episode. Okay. I do want to ask Melissa a question quickly, because uh. it has to do with Monday and we didn't discuss it and I don't want to let it pass without being talked about. Oh God. What? I need to know about this Pizza Hut experience. Oh, (laughs) I'm addicted. It's bad. She posted this picture in headquarters and it looked like a giant Cheez-It. They are. They're probably like the size of your palm. Like a Hot Pocket? Like two Hot Pockets. Wait, explain what it is. Explain. It's a Cheez-It shaped with like pepperonis and cheese inside of it, almost like a mozzarella stick. But you really have to like cheese it to like this. Like everybody else in my house thinks it's gross, which is awesome because then they don't touch it. (laughs) (laughs) And I have ate it literally four times since I posted that picture. (gasps) 
pizza four times in seven I was days. thinking about it, it hasn't this even been morning on the way here. I was like, when I leave there from podcasting, I could stop and get that for lunch. This is your personality, <gasps> though. When you find something you like, you just go hard on it. Just like, 100%. Just I will, I will eat it, it until it. I'm done with it. Until and then I won't sick. eat it no more. And then she'll no, never eat it again. Well, no. You know what, though? This is one of those fad things that they're not going to have this forever. So you better enjoy it while they have it. But it really is like a giant cheese cracker, a giant cheese. It's what it looks like. But you need to order extra sauces if anybody's getting it. You got to get an extra marinara. It's a little dry. It doesn't have enough. Whenever I huh. see these commercials for Pizza Hut, it's like Oreo pizza or like breadstick crust. I'm like, who the fuck is ordering this? And now I know. And, you're like, Melissa. <laughs> and now I know it's Melissa. <laughs> Slowly raise his hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. Like, who would eat that nasty shit? That's what I said when I looked at that Pizza Hut picture and I saw that fucking nasty ass cheese. It. Pizza Hut doesn't make mistakes. They it. know who their target yeah. audience is. Like, they aren't making these multi billion dollar mistakes. They know there's somebody out there for it. They know there's an audience. Yeah. But it's just like the picture of the advertise, the ad picture. I mean, good for them because it looked really good. But then Mel posted the picture and I was just like, oh, oh God. That looks like. I need you to post a picture of like the inside of it. Like I can't really gauge how it looks like a mozzarella stick with chopped up pepperoni in it. I'm not going to hate. I'm not going to yuck on your yum, but like. Yeah, I just have to try know, it for I'm myself. Not I think. To. Yeah. Well, it, nobody else likes it at the house, so. I mean, they have them, you know, in lots of cultures. Like, I actually made this one off of a tasty video I saw the other day. I saw it and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna make that for dinner tonight." It looks so good, but they were from Ecuador, I think. And um, but it was just like this certain kind of flour. And I know I'm going to get it wrong. It's like molasses something. I can't remember. But it's ground cornmeal to where it's super, super fine. And it's like powdery. And it has like a lime flavor to it. But you take the flour and water and you mix it together until it's like a clay, like a paste sort of. And then you stuff it with pork and peppers and onions and tomatoes. And then you just fry it. Like that's it. And it's so fucking good. Yeah, it's good as hell. And, but, like, I've had a Jamaican version of that, you know, where they're, like, called, what is it, like, Jimmy Cakes or something? I can't remember. The Jamaican version's the same way, except they use, like, spiced, like, beef or, like, sometimes they'll use, like, curry goat or whatever. And they'll stuff the meat in there in spices. And, but it's usually not, it doesn't include dairy. Let me ask you a question. I don't know if mm-hmm. we've talked about it before. Have we talked about crab rangoon on here before? What is it? Have we crab talked about crab crab rangoon on here before? I don't think so, no. Okay. So maybe it's <laughs> called something different where you are, Tessa. But <laughs> no, I was we in have Jersey. crab rangoon. I just, we've, okay. never, we've never talked about it here on this podcast. Okay. Well, I'm in Jersey and my friend's like, let's order some Chinese food. And I said, I'll take some crab rangoon. And she's like, we don't have that here. <laughs> really? And I was like, yes, you do. Everybody has crab ragoon in a Chinese restaurant. She's like, no, we have real Chinese food here. And she and she yeah. called the place, and they were like, we don't have crab ragoon. We are such superior. Like, I was we crazy. Are such superior assholes up here in the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. I'm like, it's more like authentic Chinese food. Like, that's a crab ragoon. It's like an Americanized version. You know what I mean? That's like. So it's mm-hmm. not from, it's just an American thing? Yeah. I'd have to Google it. Yeah, I mean, there's, if you look at it, if you just, if you generalize um, most ethnicities, 
don't use a ton of dairy, like those kind of foods, like Japanese food, Chinese food, like anything that like, like a, that's been Americanized normally has a lot of dairy in it. I'll tell you something. I didn't get no Chinese food. I went back to her house and ordered Domino's. <laughs> and she ate her Chinese food without her crab ragu. I was just but, curious. I'm like, do certain places just not have things? I thought it was a staple of Chinese food, crab ragu. No. Like, if you think about, like, Chinese food, what, what Chinese food is there that you think of that has cheese in it? I mean, besides a crab ragu. Oh, it's like a mixture of crab. It's like almost like a crab and cream cheese and a fried rontan. Oh, that's, yeah, that's definitely a mid-American thing. Anytime there's a bunch of cheese added. Yeah, because that's, um, that's an American or, you know, European thing to add, to add a lot of cheese and dairy to things. Milk, you know, anything that's got cheese in it, it's it's normal, like, like the, you know, it's just not a thing. <laughs> so you guys want to read some emails? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. I just really need to discuss that Pizza Hut. <laughs> I'm glad we did. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Wanted to write in and tell you how thoroughly I've enjoyed the podcast since I found it a few months ago and have been binging my way through. Like many fellow lady listeners, I've dragged my husband along for the ride in varying capacities, too. I started reading romance as stress relief as I studied for professional certification and needed to engage in media that wasn't the same droll lectures and technical texts. I found Alexa Riley and then the podcast and haven't looked back. The look on my husband's face when he came home to me listening not to more lectures, but instead the steamiest part of whatever book I was on was priceless. We've since listened to Securing Brene together on a road trip. That's by Susan Stoker. Uh, I flagged my favorite scenes to have him listen to later, and we just had some of the best sex of our entire 12-year relationship on the heels of Cara D's Look But Don't Touch. <laughs> yes, girl. Yes. yes. Uh, God. Just thinking about that book gets me worked up. God, that's so fucking good. Thanks for fostering a healthy open space where we can talk about our desires, fantasies, and kinks, and for helping us specifically discover that he apparently really likes it when I call him daddy. He called the podcast the Ooh. best thing that's ever happened to our sex life. XOXO. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's not Nobel Prizes given out for the stuff like this, but there goddamn well should be. <laughs> I feel like an American hero right now. <laughs> That one came in last mm-hmm. night, actually. Hello, I've been with my man. For- she was just, you know what? Like in the moment, she's like, you know what? Hold on, real quick. I gotta send this email. <laughs> I love it that she Luke, but don't touches. That's this. That's oh yeah. That's the. I was thinking of a uh, picture perfect, but now I know what she's talking about. Okay. Oh yeah, just yeah. as good. <laughs> just as good. Just as good. Okay, the, the landscape has changed now in my head. I see what she's what she's talking about. <laughs> Hello, I've been with my man for almost eight years now. We're high school sweethearts, met in marching band. We just got engaged in June, and I just started reading age play romances. We have never done anything even remotely kinky. How do I tell him I really love the idea of being a little? P.S. I absolutely adore you lovely ladies. You make my days. XOXO. Oh, wow. We're going to go right into that then. So how do you tell someone that you want to be, you want to explore that fantasy? Yeah. Well, my advice would be, like, Try it in the bedroom and see if it translates later. You know, like, th- like there's some people who live this lifestyle and that's awesome. You know, if you have a partner that's willing and excited to, to play with you in this aspect, I think there's ways to sort of ease into it. Like, I don't, 
I don't know necessarily that you're going to walk in and be like, sit down, you know, with your partner and say, okay, listen, I'd like to be a little, let's do this. You know, I just, that's, I don't see going full throttle the first time is working out long term. I kind of like think you could ease into it by just telling them that you like the idea of him being a little forceful and dominant mm-hmm. and then just like kind of ease into it slowly. Like, you know, I, it's hard for me to even talk to my husband about like certain things that I like. So, but I can say to him and I feel comfortable saying to him, I like it when you just like really take charge and just like kind of raw, you know, like, yeah. And then once they kind of like get that green light to be a little bit rougher, maybe I, Mm -hmm. and then like, that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily to say that like being a daddy means you have to be rough. Like sometimes it means being sweet or like, um, (laughs) Or just the ability to be kind of maybe bratty, like, you know, to, to be able to have, to be able to behave that way. And it sounds like if this is coming from her side, then she either has the need to behave in a certain way, or she has the desire to be treated in a certain way. And that might be contingent on her behavior. So I think like, maybe that's something you could discuss like in the bedroom to start like, even if you said like, I just want to be a little bratty and have you punish me. Yeah. Like, you know, and generally most men are going to be down for anything that involves Absolutely. sex. <laughs> as long involves, as they're getting sex, they're yeah, like, they don't oh, know okay, what they're doing. They don't know what, like, no. they just need to be they directed. They need to be told exactly. <laughs> like, they can't, mm-hmm. they, they can't read your mind. So you, yeah, you really got to yeah. just, like, but I think find out what aspects of that relationship that you like and ask him or, or just broach the subject of those specific things that you like, you know, do not necessarily have to just come right out and be like, I want to be a little, and I want you to be a daddy. <laughs> you know, you can say like, I want you to maybe like when I'm, when I do something like when I like do something you don't like, maybe punish me or just, you know, treat me kind of like, like a figure, like what, what do you call it? Like when you're a like authority, authority figure. figure. Yeah. 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 You know, I was watching this show the other day and I cannot remember the name of it. I wish I could. It's on Netflix. It's a show. It's in like it's second or third season, but it's about a woman. She's a female comedian and she's married and they have a little girl. I don't know if it's like you're going to hell or something like that. It's, I can't remember the name of it, but it's hilarious. It's comedy. But she was talking to her husband and he was asking about like, you know, doing a fantasy or something. And she's like, we're going to have to come up with our own thing together. And he was like, well, why don't you tell me one of yours? She's like, no, listen, she's like, there are very specific things that I need in order to get there. She was like, are you really willing to act out those things that I need in order to get that? And he's like, yeah, maybe we just come up with our own thing. And so that was something like, you know, I thought, I was like, shit, that's actually really helpful. Instead of trying to get someone to bend to your fantasy, why not incorporate that maybe into a new thing that's your own? Instead of trying to be like, okay, he's not, instead of like kicking yourself out of it right away, like he's not going to say it right. He's not going to do it right. He's not going to, you know, it's never going to be exactly what I want. So I'm just going to keep it to myself. Why not think like, okay. I like this aspect of it. What if he and I or your partner or whatever, you know, what if we did this together, but in a different way, you know, like take something that you like about that fantasy and incorporate it into something just for y'all. I just, I thought that was a really good suggestion. And I was like, shit, I should try that. Cause I mean, there's some like, you know, fucked up shit that I probably would never tell my husband about, you know, that I like, 
But there's some stuff in that that I definitely could fulfill a fantasy and I would be able to get that from it. So take that for what it is. I like it. Okay. Hey, lady DJs. I absolutely love listening to you guys every week. I find myself laughing so hard on the way to work. It always puts me in a good mood. I have an embarrassing sex story. However, I did find it very funny about 10 minutes after. So it was Valentine's Day and my boyfriend and I were going out for for a romantic meal. I figured I wouldn't be in the mood after the meal since we were going out for paella and I planned on eating my body weight. (laughs) I do that too. I have sex before we go out on date night because I know I'm going to be so full. Just relax. Just relax, everybody. I'm saying that's a great idea. Focus on this bread basket now. Yes, exactly. There's no pressure. Like, that's a good idea. I'm like, okay, we did that part. Let's get on to this. I can crash when we get home. Uh-huh. I love that. <laughs> so I decided to put some sexy underwear on and surprise him when he came home from work. So there we were in bed, me riding him and about to come when I opened my eyes and saw blood on my boyfriend's face. I was really surprised and didn't know where it had come from. So, so I stopped abruptly and shouted, oh my God. But boyfriend, having not noticed, uh, started to come thinking I was loving it. And then... <laughs> It was then that I realized I was having a nosebleed. So there I was, sat on top of my boyfriend, bleeding a lot, all down my ch- all down my chest, his chest, oh and his face, while he was coming because he had only just opened his eyes and couldn't stop. <laughs> that's to be that's like gonna spur spurn some PTSD or something. Like opening your eyes in the middle of an orgasm and there's just blood all over the, your girlfriend's face. Wow. After that, it was a uh, awkward maneuver to the bathroom where I sat for the next half an hour bleeding all down myself while also trying to clean up the cum. <laughs> Safe to say I found this unbelievably funny and couldn't stop laughing while my boyfriend was worried he'd hurt me. Luckily, we have been together for a long time and after I reassured him I was okay and he found it very funny too. Thanks for listening to my funny story and I can't wait for more books. Thank you. Oh my God. That was amazing. Yay. Can I just say real quick, do you guys have, uh, have we talked about bidets? Have we talked about that before? Bidets? I can't, bidets, like the toilets with water. Oh, bidets. Bidets. No. Yeah. uh, That rinse off your butt. I think you have, we have, I think we've gone there. I got one. I got a portable, like a one that you hook up to your toilet. I got one. She got a portable Um, one. Yeah, I was going to say portable, but it's not, you don't remove it. <laughs> I was like, can you take it with you when you travel? <laughs> I wish you could. This thing has changed my life. Like, I know we talked about this before because Jen Frederick was telling me that they got those fancy toilets in their house. She does. Yeah, Her well, toilet still owes me like $10 or I owe it $10. I don't know which. Somebody owes it But it is so me. But yeah, she's got like, it's the toilet that has the automatic bidet built into it. And it but it also heats the seat, like dries you off, like does like 10 different things on there, like all these different settings. She's got the fancy one. And so when we were renovating our house um, last year, she was like, you need to buy one of these toilets. And I looked and this thing's like $800. I was like, shut the fuck up. No, I found an attachment for $30. (laughs) Let's try that. So I did. I ordered it off Amazon. It is, you attach it to your seat on your toilet seat, and then it hooks up to the water line that goes into your toilet. So it's clean water that comes from the faucet or whatever, like of your, that goes into your toilet. It's not like dirty toilet water. Anyway, so you hook it up to that and then you can, there's a switch on the side. You just turn a knob and it comes on. And the one I have actually sprays the front and the back. And it is like the greatest thing ever, not only for after sex, but when you have your period. It is so nice to just sit down and have like a little flush out. 
little rinse off, little little sprinkle, if you will. Okay. But I feel I'm telling you, it's been like the greatest thing ever. What's it? This, so, like, what do you have to name and like uh, hold a recommendation? On, have, let me look it up. Is this a paid advertisement? <laughs> no, I wish it was. Like that, I was gonna say, I should like. Tell Amazon, hey, by the way, I'm selling this product for you. Oh, by the way, this is the Read Me Romance podcast. And we do. <laughs> we're here for Tessa Bailey Week. Uh, the Major's Welcome Home, the second half of the uh, the book. We're going to play that for you in about 10 minutes. So Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so the one I have is called, let me see if I can find like the exact model. My dad actually, funny enough, he was like, I was talking to him about that, and I was like, have you tried this? And he's like, well, I'm going to get one now. So he actually got a handheld sprayer that hooks up the same way, and it sits on the side of your toilet, and it's like a wand. Like, you just put it between your legs and, like, spray everything off. Like, you kind of control where it goes that way. This one I have, it's, I think this is, like, close enough. It's the Lux Bidet, L-U-X-C-B-I-D-E-T. Um, yeah, it's just an, it's just a self-cleaning like thing. You just flip a switch and it sprays you off. It's fucking awesome. And I installed it myself. That's how easy it was. It seems like Americans are the only ones that really haven't gotten in on the bidet action. Like I was watching, I was watching 90 day fiance and, uh, this girl moved to South Korea. I believe it was South Korea to be with her. I know what you're going to say. I was thinking this story and I was like, nobody will know it. And he kept saying, you're asshole. It's just, or was it asshole? I kept saying. She's like, he kept saying, my whole family has very clean, has a very clean, ass- very clean assholes. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. shocked. What she's just like me? standing there, like she, she just stood that. there staring. Yeah, I was so that guy is killing me. That guy, he is killing he me. He is too. so funny. He looks like a. There's a new like, one on. I haven't watched. He looks yeah. like someone from BTS saying. to me. Like yeah, he looks like yes. he's got like the kind of like bleached hair. And he's super Have cute. you done the... So you've heard of 90 Days, right? Like, Beyonce comes over here to America. Well, right no. now they're doing 90 Days the other way. So the American... So wait, moves. what's 90 Day Fiance? Like, where you-, you get a K-1 visa. Like, if you want somebody to marry somebody that's from out of the country, mm-hmm. you have to get a K-1 visa. And they okay. move here, and you have to get married within 90 days. Oh, they can't okay. work within that 90 days or whatever. Okay. But this season, they did 90 ways the other way. Because some of these people can't, I guess, um, get in here. Like one has, you have to have a very clean record and things like that. So some of the Americans are moving over there in this season. Uh, Spoiler alert, they all come back. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Like it just, it's just one shit show after another. Like, I don't, you know, they're going over there and they're just like the, I don't know how to explain it. This one girl came, she went over to, uh, was it Cape Town? I don't know. Which girl were you talking about? It was South Africa. Yes, it was really unsafe. Like I was worried She went went down there pregnant and then she went to the hospital. Yeah. And, and she came back because she like wanted to have her child in an American hospital. Well, they were talking about they needed, the kid couldn't run in the streets and it's just like kind of a shock a little bit. Yeah. But you know, like there are really wonderful redeeming qualities about all these countries, but they, it's just, Mm -hmm. I think they, I just have a, the producers make it as hard as possible. They make it as hard as possible for them to adapt. you know, like Mm -hmm. it's because. It is very hard, but I'll tell you something. I almost died when that one guy said. He was married. 
Oh my god. This one I like all the way I almost Pakistan. fell off my couch. She what? Yeah. This one moved I all actually the way to thought that they Yeah, to be with I this guy. I actually thought they could make it work there. I was like, okay, maybe these two are really going to do it. They're in love. They got an apartment. She seems all right. And then that bomb dropped. I was like, he's wait, he was, he was already married. married. What was he doing so this? basically her family, like uh, his wife's family showed up and like, we're like, motherfucker, you better get your ass back to where you're supposed to be. You married my daughter. Like, oh, shit. what are you doing here? Filming this reality show 20 minutes, 20 yeah. miles away from, you know, your old house. So, like, basically, he'd been married the whole time. This woman had moved all the way to, like, I believe it was pa- Pakistan to be with him. She's, like, 20 or 30 years old. From America? Yeah. Holy shit. And her, like, daughter had come over a few times, like, what are you? There's always the barometer of, like, a normal person that, like, shows up sometimes <laughs> in the show and is, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I love this show. And they're, like, the, they're like uh, an extension of the audience. You're, like, thank you. Somebody's, like, asking them why they're being insane. You don't just meet someone on the internet and move to a different country. It's just like, yeah. it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, you know, I think just most, what it comes down to is a lot of these people are just really lonely. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know. I think a lot of it too is just like Love After Lockup, the one I watch. Mm-hmm. It's not reality. You're talking to somebody through a computer and a text yeah. message. But once okay, you so. are actually in the relationship. It's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Because through the computer, you still have these freedoms and these controls. But once you're actually yeah, you can turn it together. Off. Yeah, you can, you can just turn off the computer, but you can't turn off someone who's in your house. Like, you know, and then there's this one <laughs> woman. Me, who, I tried. There's this one woman <laughs> who I cannot stand on the show. Which one? Oh, I'm sorry. God. She keeps, Which one is She it? keeps saying to the husband, are we going to uh, do jiggy jiggy lately? Yes. Later? So you're going to have jiggy jiggy time. I'm like, what? And he's so hot, but apparently. He is- He's so a beautiful man. That. He is this beautiful. Oh God, he's a beautiful Muslim man, and he's hot. he is insanely hot. And she is a lot older, like still a beautiful woman, still very attractive, wonderful. I'm sure yeah. she has a lot of. Redeeming she's a little qualities. bit crazy. I think <laughs> her insane. son's even said yeah. it. Her she's her insane. son is dead. She's going to go crazy, and then she's <laughs> oh, like going to get arrested in this country. That's pretty much what he implied. Yeah, that she's gone crazy multiple times. You have to be crazy to be to go. Yes, I'm going to move to another country and marry somebody, but also we're going to film it 24 hours a day. Like you have to be a little crazy. So she pulled out a vibrator, and he was so pissed. She yeah, Yeah. he was pissed that she had a vibrator. Why? But she was like, we haven't done any jiggy jiggy today. (laughs) Because she keeps implying that he's not good in bed. Like she's, she's like, he's not. She, she keeps saying she keeps saying to him like I'll put the vibrator away but you know you have to like try some new things with me and he's like okay all right I'll do it sure and then she's like no he's not gonna do it yeah <laughs> it's if you aren't watching 90 day fiance you are missing the most bonkers shit out there and then and then I found out recently that and this is why I started watching it like more frequently because I found out Nicole Nicole Byer the comedian who hosts nailed it yeah. She does a podcast talking about 90 Day Fiance. And I was like, I have to be in on that. <laughs> so I started watching it more frequently so that I could listen to her podcast. Oh, I love that. And I got to find out what the name of the podcast is. Um, okay, I'm going to read some more emails. Okay. That was a good debrief, though. Thanks, Mel. 
Mm-hmm. Hi, <laughs> hi, ladies. I just want to email you guys and thank you for everything that you do. Uh, I not only love the podcast, but I love all of your books as well. On Wednesdays, I work from home. And for some reason today, I was pretty depressed. I was feeling very down on myself and didn't have much self-worth. As I was working, I put my headphones in to listen to one of the audiobooks on the podcast and just get away for a little bit. I listened diligently every week, so it was a story that I, I heard before. As I was listening to you all before the book started, it made me feel so much better and not so hopeless. I'm 25 and single. Sometimes I feel like I will never find that person that I'm meant to be with. But listening to the podcast today, I felt so at peace with letting whatever happens happen and that I just need to be patient. That was all because of the three of you. Sorry this was so long, but I just wanted to thank you for empowering women of all ages and walks of life. I know I've never met any of you in person, but I feel so connected to you all. You guys are the best. All my love. P.S. Tell Leah I wish I was half as pretty as she is. No! I love her! That's so nice! But you know, like, it just... It's crazy that, like, I'm glad that in some way we can make a difference, you know, like to make somebody happy or to to make their day better. I think it's awesome we're able to do that in some way. But just know, like, you know, you're never alone. It may feel that way and it may feel hopeless and that you're never going to find the one. And, you know, I don't know, like I had one of my really close friends, she told me one time, she was like, you know, maybe there's not a lid for every pot. You know, maybe, you know, there's not some, somebody out there for everybody, but I'm going to love myself enough for the both of us. And I just thought like, God, I always, I hope I always have that attitude in life, you know, that, you know, I can, I can love myself enough that I don't need somebody else to do it. And I know that sounds like a cop out and like, you're just taking leftovers, but half the people out there who are in love with somebody don't love themselves that way. Date yourself for a while. Find out what you like and give it to yourself. You know, like take yourself out on a date, like indulge yourself, spoil yourself. Like when try to, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like if you, if you can show yourself that you um, have value, like that you value yourself. um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's more important than finding someone else who values other people. Yeah. Yeah. And other people see the value in that too. And not for nothing. I mean, I didn't, you know, meet my husband until I was 25. So don't, you know, I wasted a lot of time, but, you know, I met him at the right time. I think I'll read one more. Hello, lady podcasters. I wanted to share about a time I indulged an ex-boyfriend with his fetish. Feet. I was receiving another amazing (laughs) foot massage when T told me about his attraction. Never being one to judge, I got over the what the reaction quite fast, and two nights later, I did something he wasn't expecting. In the middle of warm up, I love that she calls it warm up. <laughs> oh, is that like four point? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I told him to lay back on my chest. I could see a million questions waiting to be asked, but in the middle, oh, but he complied. Wrapping my legs around his body from behind, I took my freshly pettied feet and proceeded to jack him off. From the position, he was able to watch everything and seeing his head thrown back in ecstasy was hot. I have to say my reward for the foot jack lasted almost all night and ended with me in a puddle of satisfaction. Sometimes doing something you're not into can be worth it, especially when he is also the giving kind. I love that. That's hot. That's fucking hot. That seems hard. I never thought about that. Yeah, I was like, think about, like, you'd have to have long legs, first of all, to get around him. Or he'd have to have, be pretty trim. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm like thinking about logistics of this but also that's really fucking hot i think i'd probably be able to just like basically brush pat with my toes 
<laughs> like I wouldn't be able to get all the way to like wrap mm, it. My thighs are so big. <laughs> I have short yeah. legs and you know, he's not, he's a big guy. So yeah, but still I kind of want to see how that works. I just, I just feel I like love... I, I get a cramp in my, like my arch <laughs> or something. I'm like, Oh, I have a Charlie horse. <laughs> oh, but I bet that's so fun though. <clears throat> yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's really cool. I like Way to go stuff. lady podcaster. Wait, know, or lady, lady listener. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to go ahead and play the final uh, the final half of The Major's Welcome Home by me, Tessa Bailey, and we'll catch up with you guys on the other side. Bye. 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 Chapter 7 Kenna stared out at the milling patrons of Bombs Away, her drink gone warm in her hand. The bar was packed tonight thanks to the live country-western band currently playing Sweet Home Alabama. For the third time. The crowd consisted almost entirely of Black Rock soldiers, most of them men, which made Kenna and Darla veritable celebrities. Neither of them were feeling very chatty, however, and their expressions must have mirrored that, because after two rounds of drinks had been sent their way and rejected, they'd been left alone. Alone. Just the way she liked it. She took a hefty swallow of room-temperature bourbon, hoping it would douse the guilt and anxiousness burning in her stomach. It only kindled the fire. God, she felt like pond scum. Why do we come here? Darla grumbled beside her. They don't even have Wi-Fi. They have cheap liquor. Oh, right. Kenna twisted a red cocktail straw around her middle finger the movement restless. She didn't want to be at Bombs Away tonight any more than Darla, but avoidance had always been her knee-jerk reaction to anything uncomfortable. So why switch it up? If she stayed at her apartment, Beck might come over. And although she'd done her damnedest to sever their connection, if he showed up, she would drag him inside and ride him like a mountain bike. The best sex of her life just had to be with a stand-up guy, right? He just had to hold her so tightly while she slept that she woke with her heart lodged in her throat. At the very least, he could have been dismissive or ambivalent toward her work, right? No. No, he couldn't. Major Beck motherfucking Collier. Darla batted the straw out of her hand. Stop fidgeting. That's my thing. Ouch, she scowled at her friend. What's my thing, then? Brooding. You're nailing it, by the way. Darla heaved a sigh and returned her attention to the crowd. You know, this is a big enough sausage festival even I could get laid. Your impression of a gargoyle is foiling any chance I have of male interaction. Kenna massaged her forehead. I'm sorry. I dragged you out on a school night and I'm being a twat. Yes, you are, but I know how you can atone. She quirked an eyebrow. Go on. Darla dipped a finger into her cranberry juice and popped it into her mouth. Tell me what happened with the virgin. What? Her spine snapped straight. Don't call him that. What? Darla snorted. Your reaction is not telling whatsoever. 
She shifted in the cracked leather booth to face Kenna. Come on, unburden yourself. It'll be like, I don't know, losing your virginity or something. You're the twat. I'll own that. Darla stacked her hands beneath her chin and stared. Waiting. Kenna set her bourbon down with a thunk. He spent the night. Her friend did a double take. Uh, the whole night? She nodded. Like sleeping until dawn, pass the milk, borrow your toothbrush. Yeah, there was neither milk passing nor toothbrush borrowing, but it was dawn when he left. Darla was silent a moment. You sent him packing. Understatement? Her stomach rebelled at the memory of Beck's face after what she'd said. The lies she told to make him leave. Because what was the other option? Have him stay and do what? Eat pancakes? No, that wasn't her. Okay, she might have developed some murky feelings for the major, but they couldn't be more opposite. He was a relationship guy. She'd rather hear Sweet Home Alabama a fourth time. Sending back packing had done him a favor. Come Thursday morning, he could board the plane to Georgia with a clear conscience and some handy sexual experience. If she gave him any more encouragement, he might do something stupid, like stay at Black Rock, for her, which would make things much harder when he finally left, because it would only be a matter of time. No one stuck around forever. Can we drop it now? Darla lowered her glasses. I haven't said anything in 10 minutes. Huh. Kenna reached for her glass, but her hand froze in midair when Beck walked in. On cue, her thighs felt hot, her breasts heavy. The oxygen in her lungs seeped out like air from a tire. In faded jeans and a fitted navy blue t-shirt, he was the male equivalent of a triple fudge sundae with a cherry on top. Every man in the bar stood at least half a foot shorter, save the dark-haired man at his side, who was also pretty tall, but still quite didn't reach Beck's height. Shit, she was staring at him like a certified goober. He hadn't seen her yet, thank Christ. She scooted into the shadows and ducked her head down. He's here, he's here. Is there a back entrance? Now, there is a question a virgin would ask, Darla murmured. He must have rubbed off on you. Save the comedy act, we're in full on crisis mode. Darla calmly sipped her drink. Point him out to me before we steal into the night. I earned that by putting up with your twattage. I wanna see the first man who managed to breach your apartment door. Kenna dropped her head into her hands and groaned. Blue t-shirt at the bar, you can't miss him, he's huge. Her gaze scanned the crowd and stopped, mouth falling open. How did that stay a virgin? Long story involving a preacher's daughter and self-imposed abstinence. Jealousy over the two-timing Mary bubbled in the region of her midsection and she ground her teeth. Can we go? You're not going to introduce me? Darla. Okay, fine. Darla scooted off the booth and stood. 
You stay here, lurking in the dark, and I'll scout alternative exits. She sent her friend a grateful look before hunkering down to wait. The day was fast becoming the worst of Beck's life. And when you've lived through sandstorms and had tiny pieces of shrapnel removed in the field, that was definitely saying something. On the bar stool next to him sat his best friend, Cullen Flanagan. They'd gone through boot camp together, side by side. Prior to shipping out, he'd asked Cullen to watch out for his sister, Huntley, while he was gone. Cullen had agreed without question. Beck's end of the bargain had been to look out for Xander Gibbons, one of Cullen's recruits and mentees. Beck had failed in that endeavor. After Cullen had recruited Xander right out of Arizona State, the younger man had surprised no one when he'd followed in Cullen's impressive footsteps and chosen to specialize in EOD. Cullen had even submitted a request for Xander to train under him at Black Rock after he completed his basic training. The two really had been like brothers, hanging out after hours, too. Unfortunately, the fact that it had been Cullen to teach Xander how to properly disarm a bomb was the reason this conversation was so damn hard. For six months, Xander lived in Cullen's shadow, learning everything he could, but it hadn't been enough. As hard as this was on his friend, Beck knew it was only about to get harder. You been back for two days? Cullen tipped his bottle of Heineken back, his expression surly, which wasn't exactly breaking news. They didn't call him Sullen Cullen for nothing. Finishing his beer, he signaled for another. You don't even stop by the warehouse to say hi? What have you been doing with yourself? Avoiding this painful conversation. Getting lost in a beautiful, fascinating girl who couldn't get enough of him one minute and turned pricklier than a cactus the next. Astute as usual, Cullen tilted his head and narrowed his eyes. You meet someone, man? He started to say no, since he had no concrete answers when it came to Kenna, only shifting sand beneath his feet. But he couldn't deny his curiosity. Cullen would know of her, being that she was Sutton's daughter. Might be able to tell him something useful. Hell, maybe another part of him wanted to delay the world of hurt he was about to put Cullen in. Yeah, I met someone. He shuffled the coaster between his hands on the bar. Kenna Sutton. Cullen choked on his beer. Say again? I'm guessing you know her, Beck said, trying to keep his voice even. Cullen was known for his reputation with women. If he'd spent time with Kenna, Beck didn't know how he'd react. Definitely not well. If you've dated her, you best tell me now and get it out in the open. But I'm seeing her again regardless, so watch what you say. Have I dated her? Colin laughed under his breath. Are you serious? Beck's neck heated, right hand curling into a fist at what he deemed confirmation that Colin and Kenna had been involved. Breathe. Do I look serious? Colin gave a rare smile. Relax, man. They call her No Mena Kenna. She's sealed up tighter than a nunnery at midnight. When Beck narrowed his gaze, 
Cullen signaled for shots. Not that I've made any attempts to scale the nunnery walls, tempting though she is. Beck's body relaxed in degrees, temper cooling like he'd been doused in ice water. She'd lied to him, in an attempt to push him away, no doubt. Too bad it hadn't worked. Her past made no difference to him, as long as he was in her present. Add to what he knew now, that Kenna's behavior toward him had been out of the ordinary, and his bone-deep feeling had been proven correct. This gravity he felt when they were together wasn't imaginary. She felt it too, damn it. The wound in Beck's side demanded he shift positions. Cullen eyed him curiously as the shots were poured before them, but didn't comment. Beck left his shot untouched, but didn't object when Cullen motioned for another round. This was it. A little fortification wouldn't hurt, and alcohol might help numb Cullen to the blow Beck was about to deliver. No more putting it off. He'd had the trip home to digest how things went down over there, but it would be fresh for Cullen, as if Xander had just died. Beck! His sister's warm voice brought him up short. Until hearing her speak, he hadn't realized exactly how much he'd missed Huntley. He'd been away so long, concentrating on the job, staying alive, keeping others alive. After a while, Missing his family had become an ache he'd learned to live with, an old injury. Having her familiar, smiling face so close made it new again. Huntley. He stood and pulled her into a bear hug. You look just the same. You look a touch meaner. She stepped back, wiping tears from her eyes. When you helped me get this job here, I had this crazy idea you would be around. I'm so mad at you for being gone forever. I could smash something. Now that would be an interesting change, Colin said behind him. Your brother asked me to look out for you, but I could only check up on you at the library or coffee house so many times before I die of boredom. She pursed her lips, but humor danced in her eyes. Check out a book next time. You might learn something useful. Colin winked at her. Curiosity killed the cat, sweetheart. Beck wanted to stay quiet, observe this new dynamic between his best friend and once painfully shy sister. When she first arrived at Black Rock, Huntley hadn't been able to look at Cullen without turning red. But she'd apparently gotten over her shyness while Beck had been gone. If he could have sat there all night and left the news weighing down his shoulders for another time, he'd do it. No question. But the longer he waited, the harder it would be to get the words out. Huntley, Beck started, then immediately had to stop to clear his aching throat. I didn't expect you to not. There's something I need to speak with Cullen about. Let's meet tomorrow. You can't tell me whatever it is, too? His sister asked, a flicker of hurt in her blue eyes. Rightly so considering she was his twin, and there had been a time they'd shared almost everything. Cullen had gone still, except for his knuckles tapping on the bar. One of the drawbacks of going through basic training with someone meant there were no surprises. Beck's tone had been enough to warn the other man. 
I had a feeling this wasn't just a friendly get-together. Cullen inhaled and motioned for another round of shots. They were poured in swift order, and he downed his glass in one motion. Beck didn't touch the one sitting in front of him. His gaze fastened to his friend. Cullen motioned at Beck's waiting glass. You going to drink that? I'm good, man. Beck replied, wincing when Cullen downed the hatch. Huntley blinked at Cullen, disapproval beginning to color her expression. I didn't realize we were getting drunk tonight. I didn't realize you needed to be consulted. Is that how you speak to my sister? Taking a breath to allay his irritation, Beck shifted again to ease the pressure on his wound. We'll have this discussion later. Cullen continued to stare straight ahead, not a hint of emotion on his face. It's about Xander, isn't it? You finally gonna tell me what happened over there? A muscle ticked in his cheek. He gestured for another drink and watched impassively as it was poured. When you called to tell us he wouldn't be coming home, I knew you were holding back. You're a shit liar, Beck. Out with it. How'd he die? What the hell happened over there? There'd be no swaying his friend once stubbornness had set in. But damn it, he hadn't wanted an audience. Huntley and Cullen might be friends now, but Beck doubted he would want her to hear this. This was Beck's fault. He should have been more vigilant. If he'd fulfilled his promise to protect Xander, none of this would be happening. If I could keep this from you forever, I would. Because there's no sense in both of us feeling guilty, Cullen. But it's going to come out in the casualty report this week, and I want it to come from me. Both Huntley and Cullen remained very still. Beck released a weary sigh. We were extracting a group of POWs. They'd been there a week but we couldn't get close enough or get an accurate count of the insurgents guarding them. He swallowed hard. One of the POWs was a high-profile journalist, and there was pressure to act faster than I felt comfortable with. We went in at night, and they'd moved locations through an underground tunnel. We missed them by mere minutes, and when we entered the tunnel, there was an explosive device waiting for us. Colin tensed beside him, but maintained his hundred-yard stare. Beck closed his eyes, scenes from the tunnel bombarding him from all sides. Xander was the most experienced specialist among us, but he, finish what you have to say, Colin demanded, his voice quiet. He got it wrong. Wood splintering, earth falling, shrapnel lodging in his side, being unable to reach his friend. The explosive went off, and half the tunnel caved in. Most of us were in an offshoot that remained standing. Huntley pressed her face to his shoulder, and Beck wrapped an arm around her. This isn't on you. It's on me. No amount of training. Beck didn't even flinch when Cullen's fist shot out, sending the shot glasses crashing behind the bar because he'd known it was coming. Nor was he surprised when Cullen scraped back in his chair and took off toward the bar exit. Beck started to go after Cullen, but Huntley, her eyes full of unshed tears, laid a hand on his arm. I'll go, she rubbed her nose. I'm a nurse. I work with grief-stricken soldiers every day. 
He thinks he's responsible, and that's worse than grief. She looked in the direction Cullen had gone, then back at back. It's going to take him some time. Her blue eyes sharpened on him. Her hand reached out and touched his side through his shirt, as though assessing his injury. I'm glad you're back and it's over. But you could have died over there too, Beck. You're a part of me. I couldn't have handled that. Please don't keep anything like that from me again. I won't. He only had a second to marvel over how strong his sister had become in his absence, before she turned and went after Cullen. When the door of the bar slammed closed behind her, Beck felt it reverberate in his head, like a gunshot going off, telling him he shouldn't have come home. More than anything, he wished he'd made different judgment calls that would have resulted in having his friend home healthy. If such things were possible, he'd have switched places with Xander. Too heavy. The weight of that night, the things he'd heard and seen, was a 200-pound anvil tied to his neck. Without having made a conscious decision, Beck pushed back from the bar, his destination already a foregone conclusion in his mind. Kenna. Her name was synonymous with comfort, with losing himself, being taken to a place where he didn't have to think or hurt. He tossed a handful of bills onto the bar and started to leave, but a prickle at the back of his neck gave him pause. Were his eyes playing tricks on him? No. There she stood, about halfway down the bar. Another girl tugged on her arm, urging her in the opposite direction. But Kenna wasn't budging. She watched him, an odd expression on her face. Beck didn't second-guess himself. He went for her. Chapter 8 Oh, Mama. Kenna had 250 pounds of muscle heading her way, and it was attached to intensity so thick it surrounded her legs so they couldn't move. Why hadn't she followed Darla out the back exit? She'd started to, but the misery radiating from back had reached her from the bar. At once, his cryptic explanation from their first afternoon together had replayed, as if she was hearing them for the first time. What I came back with, what I failed to do, it'll be a burden on everyone soon enough. Burdened. That's exactly what he'd looked like as first his friend, and then the woman so obviously related to him had bailed, leaving him there. She didn't know what bomb he'd dropped, but knew one thing with total certainty. Beck wasn't a man who caused others pain if he could damn well help it. She couldn't be the third person to walk away from him that night. It didn't seem fair. Fair. Right. That was the only reason she was standing there, no doubt resembling a wigged-out forest creature who had heard a twig snap. When Beck had almost reached her, she managed a paltry step backward, but it was too late. He stooped down to wrap a brawny arm behind her hips, lifting her against his hard body with so little effort. A whimper snuck out. His friend sending shot glasses flying across the bar had garnered zero attention. 
But Lieutenant General Sutton's daughter being manhandled in public grinded the entire operation to a halt. The band forgotten, everyone shuffled around to face them. Thankfully, the music was still loud enough that only Kenna and Darla, who stood open-mouthed beside her, could make out Beck's words. I need you, he growled against her parted mouth. Was she nodding? Yes. Yes, she was. Stop. Need me? Yeah. He straightened to his full height, and her feet left the floor, leaving her tummy somewhere in the vicinity of his boots. I was mad this morning. Too mad to say my piece. I'm going to say it now. You listening? She swung her feet where they dangled in the air. Uh-huh. Good. He laid a hard kiss on her lips. A series of gasps and laughter erupted around them. Beck, although seemingly oblivious to the scene they were creating, pressed his mouth to her ear and dropped his voice. You might have been my first, Kenna, but I'm a grown man with a brain and a heart. And I know it isn't going to feel like that with just anyone. I know. His arm tightened around her, crushing her even harder against his body. Now you're going to walk out of here holding my hand. I don't hold hands, she breathed, staunchly ignoring the flip-flop in her chest cavity. You hold my hand. In direct contradiction of his harshly delivered command, he kissed her temple with devastating gentleness. You hold my hand, darling. Oh, mama, indeed. The way he was making her feel like she'd fallen into a warm, racing current of water, was very bad. Well, Kenna heard the jingle of Darla's keys to her left. Excuse me while I go home and weep into a pint of Chunky Monkey while lamenting my lack of strapping young suitors. Kenna's mouth fell open as her friend deserted her, but Beck recaptured her attention. So I walk out of here holding your hand, and... And then what? Back settled her on her feet and took her hand. We go somewhere and talk. Talk, she said dazedly, already craving the feel of his spectacular body again. Right. Customers parted as Beck led her out of the bar, and damn if his lack of interest in the gaping crowd didn't attract her even more. As far back as her earliest memory, She'd been a fixture on base, and no one had ever deemed her worth the trouble of pissing off her father, or dealing with the antics of her teenage years, for which she'd become notorious. It alarmed her that she still didn't have this man pegged. Shouldn't a well-mannered, aspiring peach farmer from Georgia care about incurring her father's wrath? The cool night air felt like perfection against her flushed skin as they entered the dark parking lot, but her relief was short-lived. Beck strode toward her car, and since he had a bare grip on her hand, she had no choice but to stumble after him. I tasted bourbon when I kissed you. Were you planning on drinking and driving? No, she drew out. Darla was my ride, and she doesn't drink. Tonight. Neither did I. Cough up your keys. She ground to a halt. No one drives that car but me. 
Beck spun her around, wedging her backside against the driver's side door. The second his body touched hers, she went totally pliant, the air whooshing from her lungs. Grab me, touch me, take me. Instead of doing any of those things, Beck tilted his head as if perplexed by Kenna's reaction. You're either spitting fire or turning sweet on me. She felt his half smile down to her toes. I'm starting to think you're fighting the same battle I am. Ah, oh, hell. That definitely wasn't his belt buckle pressing against her stomach. No sudden movements. What battle would that be? He braced his hands on the car's roof, stretching the t-shirt across his mountain range of muscle. When her diminished willpower gave her no choice but to memorize the sight, he made a sound like, huh. Perfect. The ex-virgin had become self-aware. The battle not to pick you up and drop you down on my heart on. That battle. Heavy heat spread between her legs, assaulting her senses. Oh, that one, she whispered. He dragged his body against her, side to side. Yeah, I am. Her neck lost power, sending her head falling back. I thought you wanted to talk. Oh, we're getting there. Beck trailed his open mouth over her ear, breathing into her hair. Today hasn't been my best, Kenna. Put your hands on me and make me forget. His husky plea plucked a string inside of her, and it went against her nature to deny him comfort. She couldn't withstand the draw, not after the expression of defeat she'd seen on his face inside the bar. Her fingers moved on their own, tracing the waistband of his jeans, across the tight planes of his stomach that hollowed beneath her touch. Hungry with the need to please him, she smoothed her palms up his ridged torso, dragging her nails down over his nipples once she reached the top. God, he groaned, his calloused hands fisting in the hem of her skirt. I know how to make you come now. Know you like it rough. Just let me. He wedged his thigh between her legs. Using the hem of her skirt for leverage, Beck rocked her forward, making her moan. This is what I see now when you walk around in these short pieces of nothing that hug your ass. I see something I can twist my hands in, something I can lift just an inch or two, and see the too tight pussy I'm already an addict for. You've done this to me in two days, and I can't go back to seeing this as just a skirt, or think of you as a one-night stand. I can't go back to not fucking you. Yes, Okay, yes. She clutched his broad shoulders and bucked her hips, riding the hard length of his thigh. Her inhibitions and any semblance of rational thought pulled a Houdini, and she couldn't care less as long as he kept touching her, kept talking. Warning bells were pealing somewhere in the distance, telling her this was the point of no return. But she didn't heed them. Couldn't. Please, Beck, let's go somewhere. Thank Christ. He dropped his forehead onto her shoulder. I thought you were done with me. Kenna's equilibrium pitched. Apparently not done yet. 
Apprehension twined with the desire that still ran rampant. This undeniable need was new and terrifying, but she didn't have the ability to deny him. He made her feel too right, like she was supposed to be here all along and hadn't known. Keys, he prompted, brushing the hair away from her face. I'm driving. Just this once, she said, wondering if her words had a double meaning. Could she open herself up just this once? He was leaving in a matter of days. Maybe that was her excuse to abandon caution. No matter what happened tonight, the inevitable would happen, and he'd go away. Jesus, if he left tonight, she didn't think getting over their time together would be so simple. Why not add one more memory before she was forced to recover? Beck felt Kenna's smirk as he crouched down to fit inside the car, the steering wheel digging into his chest until he moved the seat back to its farthest setting. Trying not to be obvious, he released a pent-up breath, nice and slow. He'd taken a gamble bossing her around. Truth be told, he'd half expected her to slap him across the face. Everything he'd said had been true, however, starting with the fact that he needed her. Tonight and after tonight. He felt raw and ripped open after hurting Cullen knowing it would be a long time coming before he could move forward. If words existed that would ease what Cullen was feeling, he'd go after him. But he knew from experience. Cullen had already shut the world, including him, out. Huntley would shift the focus. Tomorrow, once they'd gotten their heads together, he'd find a way to set healing in motion for Cullen. Right now, though, Right now, he needed Kenna to suture his wounds. Seeing her in the dim, dusty bar had been enough to put him back on solid ground, but more was needed, all of her. Accomplishing that required him to play the long game, which meant making this impromptu date last longer than it would take them to have sex, long enough to talk. Oh, Christ, if he wanted to do this right, he couldn't even think the word sex with her in the vicinity. Starting now. Beside him, she crossed her legs, treating back to a glimpse of her smooth inner thigh. Okay, starting now. Kenna arched her back on the seat, sighing as he started the car. His dick felt strangled inside his pants. If he asked, would she stroke it while he drove? Damn it. Starting now? Right. Where are you going to take me? The way she purred the double meaning question meant she knew all about his agony and enjoyed it. Somewhere public where you can't tempt me. Aw, that's no fun. He threw his arm over the passenger seat, backing her car out of its spot. We're having a conversation, Kenna. Yes, I got that. She rubbed her cheek against his bicep. How about this? I'll take you somewhere private. Her hand came up when he attempted to interrupt. Now hear me out. I promise not to touch you until the conversation portion of the evening has been completed to your satisfaction. 
I know when I'm being patronized. She grinned, and the distraction almost made Beck hit a parked car, but he slammed on the brakes at the last second. How am I supposed to tell you no with a smile like that aimed at me? Ironically, his words made her smile waver. Take a right turn out of the parking lot. Beck ignored the pang in his middle and followed her directions. If he let her reticence bother him, they'd have another scene like that morning, which would only damage his cause. Fortunately, when they reached the checkpoint leading on to base, and the soldiers on patrol reacted with shock to see Kenna with him, his irritation vanished. According to Cullen, she didn't date on base. Yet here they were, one victory at a time. They'd only been on base two minutes when she pointed through the windshield. See the brick building up ahead? Turn in there. The physical therapy center? He slowed the car down. It's not open at night. I know. She sent him a sly look. I have keys. Of course she did. How's that? Her voice turned solemn. After my father's heart attack, I brought him here for therapy sessions. He thought I made him look weak, so I brought him during off hours. Sometimes he'd just swim, which didn't require the doctor. She shrugged. They forgot to take the keys back. Beck's mind was busy cataloging what she'd revealed, not just about her relationship with the lieutenant general, but simply by the sad way she spoke about him. So busy, a slightly more pressing detail occurred to him only after they'd parked the car in the deserted lot. And what are we doing here? Kenna pushed open the passenger side door. Don't be a surprise ruiner, Major. With a fortifying breath for what he was about to face, Beck climbed out. I hate surprises. She stopped short at the bumper. Me too. Maybe we have something in common after all. Before he could address her implication that they only had one thing in common, she sailed toward the building. Anyway, turnabout is fair play, since you surprised me the day we met. With a jingle of her keys, the center's door swung open. I'm merely returning the favor. You were surprised? Beck asked, following her into the darkened lobby. I expected a wet-behind-the-ears new recruit to pick me up. Instead, I get you. He couldn't resist skimming her body with a heated look, noticing the way her nipples beaded under his regard. Stop staring or you'll fail. In terms of surprises, I won the day. You might have me there. She gazed up at him from beneath her eyelashes, considering the way it ended and all. The memory of Kenna on her knees, taking his cock to the back of her throat, burned him from the inside. He tightened his fists in order to avoid grabbing her. God, she knew he was struggling. Her confident stride moved her ass in a way that dried his mouth. Left to right, over and back, beneath that utterly liftable skirt. Sweet hell. He'd set himself up for disaster, hadn't he? Their footsteps echoed on the linoleum floor of the hallway, breaking off when she paused in front of a fogged glass door. Beck didn't allow their bodies to touch, 
but couldn't resist bracing his hands on the doorframe as she worked the lock, leaning down to smell her hair. He smiled when she nearly dropped the keys. You got a thing for my shampoo, True Blue? I've got a thing for just about every part of you. Well then, she nudged open the door and flipped on the overhead light. That bodes well for tonight's plan. Beck's gaze scanned the massive room, narrowing on the in-ground hot tub Kenna was heading toward in the corner. With a sense of impending doom, Beck kicked the door shut, flipped the lock and followed, noting the lap pool to the left, adjacent to the hot tub. Off to the right was a tiled area where doctors performed therapy sessions. Oversized leather tables where he himself had been stretched after a hamstring injury during basic training. Sat in a neat row, although the facility had certainly been upgraded since he'd been there. Nice try, thinking about the new showers and sturdier tables. Anything to distract him from Kenna towing off her boots by the edge of the water. Or the look she was sending him over her shoulder that said, Help me get these pesky clothes off, big guy. I reckon you think this is funny, he said, voice gone gruff. There was no choice but to close the short distance between them, his body magnetized by hers. Kenna stripped her shirt off in response, but didn't turn, so all he could see was her bare back. Although he would go to the grave swearing a sexier back had never existed. Not on this earth. You enjoy testing me, is that it? Yes. She hooked her fingers in the sides of her skirt and turned, giving him a mind-blowing view of her partially naked body. I love testing you. I love it even more when you give in. The skirt hit the floor, and Beck heaved a breath, reeling at the speed of which his body reacted. He'd seen her without clothes, but she'd been up close. From a distance, he could take her all in at once. Words hadn't been invented yet to describe her curves, the angles of her hips and tits. In a word, she was devastation, and she just declared war. Get in, he croaked, crossing to the control panel on the wall. Watching him curiously, she stepped into the warm tub and sank beneath the surface. When Beck turned on the bubbles a second later, obscuring her luscious body from his view, she nodded. Well played. Darlin', you haven't seen anything yet. Back in the bar parking lot, she'd tipped her hand, and now he knew the rampant attraction wasn't one-sided. The girl had dropped her guard and given him a weapon. He might have been shocked to realize that weapon was him, but he wouldn't hesitate to use it. Hyper aware of her lingering attention, Beck took hold of his t-shirt and whipped it over his head, tossing it toward her pile of clothes where they lay in a heap on the tile. He unbuckled his belt, sliding it through the loops before going to work on his zipper. Their eyes locked, and he noted hers had turned a darker shade of green, a perfect complement to the pink traveling over her cheeks. The hot tub's hum failed to mask her sharp intake of breath when Beck's jeans landed at his feet, 
allowing his dick to bob against his stomach. Okay, Kenna fell back against the submerged wall. Not so funny now. Chapter Nine Kenna whispered a heartfelt goodbye as Beck's impressive erection disappeared beneath the water's surface. Even though Beck had made it clear he wanted them to talk, she still couldn't believe it when he sat on the underwater bench, which happened to be a good five feet away. She was frustrated, yes. There was no denying her libido had blasted off like the space shuttle when his pants came off. But damn was she turned on by more than his physique. A man who knew how to use the head downstairs while still thinking with the one on his shoulders? Yeah, those were limited edition. Throw in the way he looked at her, like he couldn't wait to see what she said next. Hey, he'd sunk Kenna's battleship. She'd known he was capable of it. So why had she brought him here? Agreed to spend time with him. Because he'd looked so lost at bombs away. As if the world had shaken under his feet and he couldn't find balance. Remembering the expression that had rooted her in place when she should have been running for the back exit, Kenna felt selfish for attempting to seduce him. Obviously, he needed someone to talk to, and she couldn't see past her own insecurities. You suck. What happened back at Bombs Away? His head came up, but he stayed silent. Kenna hugged her elbows, completely out of her comfort zone in this hot tub heart to heart. Something to do with that man and your sister, maybe? You looked unhappy. How did you know she was my sister? Kenna decided not to impart the sharp sting of jealousy she'd experienced before noticing the resemblance. You said she worked on base. She has the same shade of dirty blonde hair, and you both dip your chin when someone else is talking. When she demonstrated the move, his lips twitched. You've been watching me almost as closely as I've been watching you, Kenna. His eyebrows drew together. The three of us came to Black Rock at the same time, but there was a fourth until two months ago. Xander Gibbons. He didn't make it home. He stared down into the fizzing water. They tell me there's nothing I could have done, but I know. I could have saved a good man. Besides Huntley. He was the best of us. I'm sorry. The steam rose around them, partially obscuring him from sight. I won't try and convince you it wasn't your fault, even though it wasn't. You're the type to shoulder the world, no matter the cause. But I'm so sorry you lost your friend. She could see he wanted to believe her, wanted to let her absolve him, but wasn't quite ready. Is this why you left with me tonight? Were you feeling bad for me? Why would that upset him? That was part of it. Beck looked away. The first time you came to me, you felt bad because I had no one to welcome me home. After dinner at your father's. His laughter was strained. I was ready to beg for you that night, Kenna. We both knew how much pain I was in to be inside your body. I don't understand where this is going. He moved. Before she could blink, Beck was right in front of her, water lapping against his shoulders. 
Kenna's pulse skittered in her veins as heat exploded between them. Are you here with me because you want to nurture me? Or because you feel better when I'm close? He dipped his head, granting her mouth the barest of contact. And because you want this dick. Kenna bit back a whimper. I'm not a nurturer. You have the wrong girl if you think that. He shook his head, dragging his lips across hers. I call it like I see it. You might have done a damn fine job hiding it, but I see right through you. I'm here because I feel better when you're close, she blurted in a furious whisper, scared that if he continued his thought, she'd have to acknowledge the truth behind his words. Her rushed admission drew different reactions from each of them. Beck looked relieved, while Kenna knew shock coated her expression. Had she actually admitted that out loud? Let's hear the rest, Kenna. Mist from the hot water bathed her lips, and she licked it off, giving herself time to calm her out-of-control heartbeat. It didn't work. She pressed her forehead to his shoulder. I'm here because I want your dick. Beck growled, his tongue traced a path over her ear. You're going to get it soon enough. She had no time to brace herself before he sank back into the water, putting space between them once again. You've got to be kidding me. The obvious misery on Beck's face made her feel only marginally better. Why did I get the feeling you weren't welcome in your father's house? A muscle in his cheek ticked. I didn't like it. The change of topic had her head spinning. Wait, what? Hadn't they been talking about his dick seconds ago? This is what you wanted to talk about? He nodded once, among other things. She wanted to blow off the line of questioning, but a glance toward the pool had her remembering all the time she'd woken up at the crack of dawn to drive her father to physical therapy. Half the time, she'd passed out on one of the leather benches until he'd finished swimming and wanted to leave. But it had made her feel useful, like she'd made a difference in his recovery. I'm welcome there, I just... I've served my purpose. You don't know what I was like before. It's a wonder they'll bring me around polite company at all. When Beck only watched her with quiet patience, she sliced a hand through the water. Aren't you going to ask me what I was like before? I don't care about before. I care about now. Kenna stared. Why do you care at all, Beck? Shouldn't it tell you something that my own parents have moved on and done their best to forget the portion of their life that includes me? They would erase me if they could. I'm a necessary evil to them. No. His harsh tone brought to mind the metal she worked with. I don't believe that. You probably believe there's good in everyone, she continued, as if he hadn't spoken. That's you. Discarding people is a foreign idea when you're a big, fat war hero. I'm no hero, Kenna. She scoffed. I've been here a long time. I can separate out the good men, and you're one of them. It's why you can't just let me go. He didn't look happy at all. Explain that statement. Fear dripped slowly into her chest. Fear that once she outlined the reality for him, he'd see the truth in her explanation and bail. 
My mother trapped my father into marriage by getting pregnant. She worked herself to the bone trying to earn his love, and it never happened. Never. He doesn't have it in him to love someone. His relationship with Tina is all about convenience. She sucked in a breath. I represent failure to both of them. My mom thought I would fix what was broken in my father, and I couldn't. My father sees me as a product of his one and only fuck-up. Now he only makes room for me in his life when it's convenient. Her laugh held no trace of humor. And yet, here I am, living within walking distance of them both, wondering when I'll see them next, like some masochist. The truth is, they found something better. You're not a masochist. You want them to love you the same way you love them. Kenna didn't realize he'd come closer until he cupped the side of her face. You still haven't explained why I can't let you go. Common sense commanded she push him away. This closeness was too personal, and he saw too much. But she couldn't move under the intensity of his focus on her. It surrounded her like a hot whirlpool. There are a few reasons. He caressed her bottom lip with his thumb, appearing fascinated by the curved feature. Let's hear them, so I can shoot them down one by one. You've gotten a lot more confident since we first met. Beneath the water, their bodies brushed. I managed to get the beautiful girl to come back for more. That does something to a man. Holy shit. She was turning into a straight-up junkie for his touch. The flesh at the juncture of her thighs contracted, seeking fulfillment. From him. Only him. Still. We're two different types of people, Beck. You ring the doorbell to meet your date's father. I climb out my window and hitchhike to Florida while everyone's sleeping. His sculpted lips lifted at one end. You're worth shaking hands over. Worth the time it takes to be read the riot act, Kenna. I'll always be the guy who wants to show you that. He dropped a hand beneath the bubbling water and stroked her belly with his knuckles. That doesn't mean I won't choose to show you a different way once we're alone. And darling, I wouldn't make it to Florida before that happened. Not even half a mile. An image of her straddling back in the back seat of a car made her short of breath. Not everyone needs a hero, Beck. Not everyone wants to be repaired. Good, because you're not broken. He gave her a hard look. I'm sorry the people who love you made you feel that way. They're the ones who need fixing. The precipice beneath her feet had nearly corroded, so she played her trump card. You're leaving, going back to Georgia. You let me worry about that right now. His stare didn't waver. Don't think about it tonight. Not so impossible when he appeared intent on consuming her thoughts. What do you want me to think about instead? Beck slid his knuckles down her belly, over her mound to rub them between her legs. I can tell you what I'm thinking about. His breath bathed her damp forehead. You told me nothing we do is wrong. Does that extend to my mouth, darling? Yes, she breathed. Thank God. He ground his closed fist against her core, and she gasped. Kenna, 
I'm thinking I fucked this and now it's mine. She swayed forward and landed against his wet chest. Before I met you, saying those words would have horrified me. He grated at her ear. But when my dick gets hard to be inside your body, I don't second guess anything. When we're not fucking, I will treat you like gold. But right now, all I can think about is wearing out my little bad girl. I want to carry your limp body out of here in my goddamn arms. Do you understand me? He pushed two fingers into her pulsing heat, ripping a gasp from her lips. It felt so unbelievably good. I, I guess that means we're done talking. My girl, mine. A Category 5 hurricane tore through Beck, and he didn't bother trying to weather it or minimize the damage. He'd considered himself a reasonable, generous man, a man who saw everything from an objective standpoint. Yet there was no objectivity when it came to Kenna. He wanted to give and take so many things from her all at once. Wanted to give pleasure, security, reassurance. And he wasn't too proud a man to admit he wanted those things from her in return. He looked down into her upturned face and saw the final brick in her wall tumble to the ground, leaving nothing more between them. Good Lord. She had no idea that her guard falling had sealed her fate, did she? Before she'd confided all her secrets, he'd already fallen for her. But the vulnerable girl she'd revealed called to the protector in him. His muscles ached with the need to go to battle for her, protect her, make her feel worthy the way she'd done for him. And God, he was possessive. If she only knew how badly he wanted to beat his chest right now at having won her trust, would it scare her? No. No, she'd tell him nothing he felt pressed to do was wrong. Another reason he wouldn't be letting her go. She accepted every damn thing about him. Emotion built in his throat until he had no choice but to stop staring at her gorgeous face and kiss her. Her pussy tightened around his fingers when their tongues licked together. Christ, the knowledge his mouth on hers could affect her between the legs rocked him, encouraged him to deepen the kiss. She undulated her hips, riding his fingers as he drew them in and out. So warm and wet. Someday soon, he would make her come into his palm. But not now. The driving need to be inside her, have her body wrapped around him, demanded satisfaction. His hoarse groan must have betrayed his thoughts, because Kenna's hand found his cock, stroking it beneath the water. Harder, he ground out. Rough and fast, the way I'm going to take you. Yes, she moaned. That's what I need. Beck rose from the water and savored the sight of her beneath him on the seat, her hand eagerly working his cock. Redness suffused her cheeks, mouth falling open as she perused him, head to toe. As he reached for his pants on the tile behind her to retrieve a newly purchased condom, her green eyes roamed over his pectorals and stomach before landing where he wanted them, on his heavy erection. It swelled larger under her regard while he applied the latex. She moistened her lips. 
You're sexy as hell, Beck. You know that? Surprise laced through the lust. He'd known she was attracted to him, but to hear it straight from her mouth made him confident and desperate at the same time. Unable to battle his baser urges any longer, he banged his fist against his chest. Stand up and climb on, then. Water traveled down her body in streams as she stood on the seat, passing over her pointed nipples, her flat stomach. Fuck, her bare pussy. Beck found himself jealous of the water itself. Nothing should touch her but him. She dug her fingers into his shoulders and slid up his body, legs wrapping around his waist like a vice. Beck's head fell back on a moan when she reached behind her and led his cock to her slippery entrance. I'm going to ride you so hard. She licked up his neck, sending a wave of heat straight to his groin. All you have to do is watch. When she eased down on his length, Beck moaned long and loud, couldn't help it. The perfect tightness of her combined with her open-mouthed expression of pleasure blew any other experience in his life right out of the water. You know what's so hot, she whispered, giving a slow buck of her hips and releasing a shaky breath. You could walk around with me like this all day without breaking a sweat. Damn right. A shudder passed through him. Part of me would love it, too, letting you milk me everywhere I go. She lifted and swiveled her body on the way back down. What about the other part of you? Beck was fast losing focus on anything but the spot their bodies connected. But he pressed their foreheads together, making sure she was looking him in the eye. The other part of me already wants to kill anyone who will covet what's mine. Her breathing grew choppy. You fucked this, now it's yours? That's right, he growled, his hands lifting to grip her flexing thighs, barely restraining himself from throwing her down and thrusting until she screamed. I'm giving you one minute to play, Kenna. Then it's time to start wearing you out. I'll be making up for lost time with that sinner's body. Yes, Beck. Holding on to his shoulders, she leaned back and gave him an earth-shaking view of her writhing body, the spot where his cock appeared and disappeared into her smooth pussy. Around him, her legs increased their hold as she began sliding up and down his length. Her addicting whimpers were almost carried away by the frothing water, but he grabbed and savored them. The faster she moved, the more his sanity threatened to desert him. Needing her close, he crushed her against his chest, taking her mouth in a punishing kiss, even as she continued riding his sensitive dick. Can't hold off any longer. He needed to pin her, gain leverage, thrust as hard as possible. Without knowing if her minute had expired, and no longer giving a damn, Beck waded toward the hot tub steps, climbing out of the water while Kenna continued to buck and moan, nails digging into his shoulders. Jesus, he loved the pain. It proved she was real and not a trick of his imagination. His attention snagged on a mirrored wall, stretching along one end of the physical therapy area. The sight of Kenna clinging to him, 
Her back and ass, rolling sensually, nearly brought him to his knees. Closer. He had to get closer. See the perfection of her up close, while experiencing the heaven of her wet heat, taking him shallow and deep. Shallow and deep. Teeth gritted. Beck crossed the room at a brisk stride, stopping in front of the mirror. Damn. Damn, Kenna. Look at you. He gripped her right ass cheek, watched the reflection of his hand squeezing the flesh below her sexy barbed wire tattoo, until she cried out. If I'd known you existed, coming in my own hand would have been fucking impossible. All those years. He threw his head back on a groan. Nothing would have compared. I would have been miserable without your pussy. She started to put on a show then, watching his face as she treated him to a hot bump and grind, her body glistening in the muted light. The way you squeeze my ass, it's like you're trying to prevent yourself from doing more with that hand. There was a heady truth behind her words, a desire he struggled to acknowledge because he'd pushed it so deep, ignored it for so long. He took her mouth in a furious kiss, pulling away only when air was required. But even that delicious distraction couldn't tear his mind away from the invitation in her voice. What do you mean by something more? Her eyes were bright, her voice seductive. You wanna spank me back? Chapter 10 the breath fled Kenna's lungs as Beck lifted her off his stiff arousal and whirled her around. He hadn't responded to her question, but his expression had been answer enough. Just when she thought all of Beck's layers had been peeled back, another was revealed, and she loved it. Loved being the one to liberate his repressed sexual nature, a nature that was turning out to be insatiable and filthy. To her, Sex had always been enjoyable, but tended to feel choreographed. Nothing about sex with Beck felt planned. It was down and dirty, honest-to-God slaking of lust. Nothing felt off-limits. And for someone like Kenna, who didn't open up easily, it was freeing, like she'd taken flight for the first time. She faced away from Beck now. Her stomach pressed against the edge of a leather therapy table, made slippery from her dripping body. His restraint was obvious as he breathed heavily into her hair, hands flexing at her hips. I don't lay hands on women, he said, voice like gravel. Exulting in the privilege of being the one to correct his misconception, give him the extra push, Kenna flattened her palms on the table, bent forward, and tilted her hips. As if he had no control over his actions, Beck dragged his hard cock up and out the valley of her bottom, making her moan. This is for my pleasure, Beck. She tossed her hair, meeting his tortured gaze over her shoulder. Don't you want to give me pleasure? Yes, constantly. Then take yours and watch me find mine too. She leaned down and pressed her cheek to the cool leather. Her face turned so she could watch him in the mirror. His barrel chest shuddered once, twice, his right hand lifting and flexing in the air. Finally, 
as if the final barrier had crumbled. His huge hand landed on her backside with a satisfying slap. Oh God, she breathed, the flesh between her legs tightening like a fist. Beck's erection bulged against her backside, telling her without words how affected he'd been. Her vision cleared, and she saw him in the mirror, watching her with a mixture of concern and arousal. Sweat had broken out on his forehead, the muscles in his arms straining beneath his skin. Fuck hot. That made me feel so good, Beck. She licked the saltiness from her lips. Did you like it? Too much. His voice had dropped to such a deep pitch, it set off a dark, dangerous throb beneath her belly button. I'm not sure about the things it made me feel. The things I want to do. Kenna started to remind him nothing they did was wrong. But his hand colliding with her still damp backside had her gasping instead. I know what you're going to say. That nothing between us is wrong. He grated, smacking her buttocks with increased force. What if I want it to feel a little wrong, darling? What then? Turned on to a level she'd never encountered, it became difficult to get air into her lungs. Was that her making the table shake? It'll only be wrong if you stop. In the distance of two seconds, he'd fisted his erection, guided the thick head to her entrance, and plunged every merciless inch inside her, roaring as he went. Kenna screamed into the table's leather surface, but was cut off when he started to drive himself home again and again. The buildup had been so great, the anticipation so intense, an orgasm stripped her from the inside out. It seemed never-ending, bolstered by Beck filling her to capacity with each thrust. The table rocked beneath her, its wooden legs scraping on the ground. But Beck grabbed it by the sides and held it still, kept it from moving forward. Pinned. She was pinned at the hips by his swollen arousal, and the knowledge was indescribable. Kenna thought the force of Beck entering her couldn't get any greater, but she was wrong. He used his white-knuckled grip on the table to jerk her, and the table, back to meet his drives. Scrape, scrape, scrape. She became part of the heavy piece of furniture, bent over its edge, existing to service him. Behind her, Beck growled, the sound mingling with the scrape of wood on tile. You need this, don't you, Kenna? Need my cock to be the only one that gets you from now on. He moved faster, faster. That's what I need. Her muffled reply got lost in the sound of wet flesh connecting. She had no idea what her response had been anyway. Didn't care. Could only concentrate on the pleasure teasing her loins, getting ready to go off like a camera flash. Almost there. Almost there. Abruptly, Beck ceased his tireless drives, removing one hand from the table to reach between her legs. You need me to touch you here, don't you? I'm a fast learner, Kenna. The calloused pads of his fingers dragged over her clit, then circled, his hips delivering deliberate, slow thrusts. I watched every move you made our first night. I know you like when I use my size against you.
when I bounce you up and down like a little doll. His fingers moved faster, rougher, and now I know a good slap on your perked up ass gets you the wettest of all, don't I? To emphasize his point, he pulled out until only the tip of his arousal slammed inside her, then slammed back inside, demanding an answer. Yes, I know everything you need, everything. His chest aligned with her back, pressing her down into the leather table, his stubble rasping over her ear. I'm your daddy now, Kenna. The force of her climax ripped a scream from her lips, the sound bouncing off the tile floor and echoing throughout the room. Her fingernails clawed at the leather, struggling to gain purchase, even though she never would again. She was given no time to process Beck's words or their impact on her before he gripped the table's sides once more and heaved her backward onto his waiting erection. Once, twice, three times, before shoving to the deepest recesses of her womanhood and loosing a primitive shout, one that made her feel claimed, owned, as he came. Beck's body was racked with tremors that vibrated through her when his huge frame collapsed onto her back. She listened to the sound of their labored breaths with exhausted fascination. Had she known the moment she saw Beck that he would be important to her? If she thought back, it seemed undeniable, and he'd just proven it. Thoroughly. What would compare to this? This feeling of depleted exultancy. Nothing. He'd asked her not to worry about his leaving tonight, and in her current state, she had no choice. She wanted to forget about it for the night, leave it in his hands. I know everything you need, everything. The independent woman at her core loathed that sentiment, until it had been spoken by Beck. Now she loved it because it went both ways. Hadn't he said he needed her back in the bar? Take me home, she whispered, sighing when he kissed her damp neck. I'll always take you home, he said. But this time, you stay in bed with me until we're both ready to get up. I don't wake up alone this time. It was an actual effort to nod. Okay. He lifted her onto the leather table, where she curled up on her side as Beck went to retrieve their clothes. After treating her to the sight of him dressing, Beck replaced her panties, slipping her skirt back up her legs with a gentleness that made her chuckle after the way he'd just taken her. He watched her closely as she pulled on her tank top. As soon as she was dressed, Beck lifted her into his arms and carried her pliant body from the building. Beck glanced back at Kenna where she slept, her hair a dark, tangled mess on the pillow. The skirt and tank top she'd worn home last night were somewhere back in the living room, he reckoned, leaving her sweet body exposed on top of the twisted sheets. God, she was so damn pretty. If he didn't think it would creep her out, he could watch her sleep for hours. How many times last night had he loved her? So many times it felt like a disjointed dream. Hands, mouths, Kenna's screams, his answering shouts, the bed creaking, 
Those legs of hers. They'd been shoved open, wrapped around him, pushed up near her ears, bruised by the force of his grip. In the sunlight, those light discolorations made a hard lump form in his throat, but it eased upon remembering her encouragement, the way she'd begged for him to go harder, harder. With considerable effort, Bag turned back around, hands clasped between his knees where he sat on the edge of the bed. Yeah, saying the two of them had good chemistry was a woeful understatement. She was necessity now, his safe place, the keeper of his desire. And now that she'd let her guard down, he could barely keep up with the things she made him feel. Protectiveness, awe, happiness. At some point last night, when they'd been catching their breath, her soft voice had reached him across the pillow. Tell me about your peach farm. From that point on, they talked for hours about his time overseas, her love of welding, only stopping when his cock started to feel heavy, a condition she'd been all too eager to relieve. Just remembering her mouth skating down his torso was questioning his decision not to take her again this morning. Rolling her body over so he could get at that tight pussy. Damn. But no, he wouldn't. Decisions needed to be made, and they didn't have time to pretend his plane to Georgia wasn't leaving bright and early tomorrow morning. He had loose ends to tie up before the ceremony tonight. Cullen and his sister to face. Confronting any of it would be impossible without the assurance that he'd have Kenna on the other side. His hands shook at the very possibility that he might not. That she'd wake up and throw her barriers back up, blocking him out. Beck heard Kenna shift behind him and turned. Ah, oh, Jesus. He hadn't been prepared for the sight of her smiling in the sunshine with bedhead lips puffy from kissing. Beck's heart started to boom just looking at her. She appeared to still be half asleep as she turned onto her back, stretched her arms over her head and yawned. You were telling me about community peach picking day. Her voice came out sounding scratchy. Why did you stop? Not touching her felt unnatural, so he reached across the bed and ran his fingers over her hip. That was hours ago, darling. It's morning now. Oh. One eye popped open, followed by the other. Oh. At her guarded tone, his mouth set itself in a grim line, hand dropping away from her warm skin. You want to talk before or after breakfast? There's a talk. I knew there'd be a talk. She sat up, propping herself against the headboard. You don't waste any time. The sight of her pointed nipples became too much for his sanity, so Beck stood and paced away from the bed. I have to say my piece now, or I'll just climb back on top of you and forget my responsibilities. Forget everything but you. She slid her hands over the sheets. An invitation. Sounds like a plan. Beck cursed wishing for once that his body wasn't susceptible to every move she made. I'm leaving tomorrow, Kenna. Her beautiful face paled. We always knew you were leaving. 
Is that your way of saying things haven't changed since day one? The scar tissue on his right side started to throb. Because you're gonna need to be more convincing. What do you want me to say? She shouted the words, then drew back, looking surprised at her own outburst. I did as you asked. I didn't think about it last night, but last night is over. I don't know what you expect to happen next. Beck shook his head, taking a measured step in her direction. Last night might be over, but we're not. It hit him full force exactly what he had at stake here. His girl, the girl he wanted forever. So he'd fight and fight hard, just like he'd been taught. She was scared. He could see it in her wary expression. So he needed to be strong enough for both of them. We have two options here, Kenna. You come with me back to Georgia, or I stay here. Her green eyes went wide. What? She gained her feet, taking the bedsheet along with her and wrapping it around her body like a protectant. I, I can't. You can't. I can. I will. Just like their last morning together, he saw the bomb about to go off. Saw her frantically scanning the contents of her mind for something to distance him. Too bad it wouldn't work this time. He knew her now, knew her faults and insecurities, and treasured each one individually. She could say any damn thing she chose, and he would stand firm. Beck saw the moment she realized it, too, because her features transformed with panic. Maybe the only reason I hooked up with you was because it was temporary. Don't you think you're taking the whole morning afterglow thing a little too far? No. A beat of silence passed. No? That's it? Yeah. He advanced on her, catching her before she could trip over the sheet. Here's what we're going to do now. We're going to knock off the bullshit. You understand? Kenna scoffed. Yes, daddy. She'd meant it to sound flippant, but his dick didn't think it was funny. Not after she'd been screaming the title just hours ago as he ate her pussy. Before he could explore his own mind, she was pinned to the wall, his jeans the only barrier between her heat and his erection. It relieved him to a startling degree when some of the fight left her, a small moan passing her lips. You want daddy, you'll get me but you'll hear me out and give me an answer first. Her stubborn mouth snapped shut, eyes firing bullets at him. My body reacted to you first, I won't lie, but my heart followed a minute later and I was yours, yours to keep. There is something good and strong between us and I'm not giving it up. Her eyes softened slightly, forcing him to beat back the urge to kiss her and forget the argument. I will take you to Georgia and give you a home. I'll make a place for you to build your statues. I will fuck you every night and love you as much as you can stand, Kenna Sutton. When he finished his speech, her eyes were full of tears, but he knew with absolute certainty she wouldn't let a single one fall. It didn't bother him one bit, though. Her pride was one of the reasons he'd fallen for her. Peck. Her voice wavered. I don't know how to belong to someone. I don't know how to have someone belong to me. Her words flayed him alive, 
but he forced himself to step back, letting her slide down the wall. I know what I'm asking. It's a leap of faith, and I won't force a decision out of you right now. Hating the distance he had to put between them, Beck backed toward the door. I need you at the ceremony tonight. Can you give me that? She nodded vigorously, but her gaze was on the floor. I'll be there. Before he left the room, he stopped in the doorframe and waited for her attention. Two choices, Kenna. Let me know which one it'll be. Tonight. He left the apartment, praying like hell his gamble would pay off. Chapter 11 Kenna paced outside the packed auditorium. She had to be out of her damn mind coming here, dressed like some kind of teenage debutante. Her feet were light without combat boots to anchor them down. Her body felt somehow more exposed than usual in the knee-length white lace dress. She tugged the secret flask from her purse and took a belt of whiskey, hoping it would calm her cartwheeling nerves to no avail. Georgia. She was going to Georgia. After Beck had left this morning, she sank into a hot bath and sat there until it went cold. Then she'd made spaghetti for breakfast and brought it in a bowl down to her workshop. About an hour had passed before she realized she hadn't picked up a single tool or taken a bite of the spaghetti. She'd been in shock. She could count on one hand the time she'd felt wanted or important in her life. Most of them had come in the last few years via Darla. Once or twice, while her father had been recovering from the heart attack, he'd let her see his appreciation for her help. But being on the receiving end of Beck's proposition this morning had thrown her like a paper airplane into a tornado. Snippets of their night together had started to trickle in once the shock wore off. Beck had called her nurturing. At the time, she'd found it ridiculous. Now, though, she wondered. Why had she stuck around Black Rock so long when, at age 22, she was free to go anywhere, when she could move her business wherever she decided to live. Was she waiting around, hoping her parents would need her, hoping they would forget the past and include her in their new lives? The time she'd spent aiding her father's recovery had pulled her off the path of destruction she'd been intent on traveling, giving her a reason to shape up. But what if her apparent caretaker nature was doing more harm than good now. Every day that passed without word from her family felt like a physical blow, felt like being abandoned all over again for something better, brighter. It stopped now. What she felt for Beck was scary, especially after such a short space of time. It fluttered wildly in her stomach, begging her to climb over her mountain of fears and slide down the other side, right into his open arms. Yes, there was a part of her that wanted to heal Beck's wounds, soothe his soul. That newly admitted facet of her personality asked to be fostered. Beck recognized that part of her and accepted it, 
so long as her need for him ran beneath it, true and straight. And it did. She needed to be with him so badly, it sang in her ears like whistling wind. You're here to take the leap. There would be no backing out now. And hell, she didn't want to. She couldn't wait to see Beck's face when she told him. Couldn't wait to be held against his chest, hear his heartbeat. Kenna popped a breath mint into her smiling mouth and clicked in silver high heels toward the auditorium entrance. When she opened the door, she heard Beck's deep voice coming from the stage, and her heart carried her toward the sound she craved. She stopped just inside the back exit, pleasure settling in her middle at the sight of Beck in his dress blues, speaking from behind a podium. She'd never seen him in this capacity, commanding an entire room, and yet, it didn't surprise her. Their eyes met, and he stopped speaking, his throat working as he perused her from head to toe. A man seated behind Beck on stage cleared his throat, obviously prompting the major to keep going, which he did a moment later. It is with gratitude that I accept this silver star. Men who came before me, good, self-sacrificing men and women, have accepted this honor, and I can only hope to live up to their legacies. His eyes found Kenna's, as if garnering strength. But I'll be accepting it on behalf of Xander Gibbons, and I'd like this medal to go to his family. He wasn't the only soldier who gave his laugh that day, so I could stand before you here. But he was one of the best men I've ever known, and his name should be remembered. Kenna caught Beck's subtle nod to a dark-haired officer standing off to the side. The man she'd seen with him at Bombs Away. Just as he'd been last night, the man appeared to be losing a brooding contest with himself. The lines of his handsome face were drawn taut, and even across the distance, his eyes looked bloodshot. She returned her attention to Beck, just in time for a respectful applause to break out, and him to exit the stage. He stopped to clasp his friend's shoulder and say something before moving toward the double doors that led to the surrounding hallway. The same one where she stood but he would be emerging around the corner and down a corridor. She started to back away from the crowd, intent on meeting Beck, but she saw him pause before leaving, watching his face register surprise. To his friend's right stood a pretty blonde she hadn't noticed upon arriving, but the woman looked familiar nonetheless, too familiar. It only took Kenna a split second to remember the picture she'd seen in Beck's wallet. Mary, Beck's ex-girlfriend, Mary. An invisible fist closed around her throat, cutting off her oxygen. Her legs began to shake with the urge to run as fast as she could. It would be over now. Look at them. They were a 10-year age progression of the homecoming king and queen. Stupid perfect. Mary had her hand on Beck's arm, big, bluebell eyes pleading. White teeth flashing as she whispered to him. Kenna could feel the cool air from outside drifting in through the doorway behind her, enticing her to leave. 
Not yet, though. Once she saw it done, she could bail and bail hard. Audience members had started to take notice of the golden couple, watching them curiously. But back led Mary toward the exit, stifling the disruption. Kenna drifted in their direction. Jesus, this couldn't be happening. He'd walked off the stage, raw from revisiting the tragedy that had taken Xander and wanting nothing more than to soak up comfort from Kenna. Seeing her appear in that doorway, dressed like an angel, had given him the strength to get through the acceptance speech. Her answer had been written on her face. Yes to Georgia. Yes to him. Yes to everything. The beating organ in his chest had swelled to the point of bursting. So full. So grateful. Out of nowhere, Mary had appeared. Confusion had stopped him in his tracks, followed by a brief flash of nostalgia. Not because he had any lingering feelings for Mary. He hadn't for a long time. And now, now he couldn't fit a single damn thing around what Kenna made him feel. No, Mary's appearance had made him think of the past. A time when things were simple, and he didn't know what it felt like to lose a friend. Lose a battle. But she belonged in that time. The past. Not here, and not now. That's when panic had hit him. The glow on Kenna's face had dimmed, and he could feel her slipping away bit by bit, all the way across the auditorium. Now he stood in the empty hallway, Mary crying and imploring him. For what? He couldn't hear her over the roaring in his ears. He needed to go after Kenna, but his feet were cemented to the ground. With absolute confidence, he knew if he turned the corner and saw she'd run away, he would break. Wouldn't be able to handle it. Not after having their future right there in the palm of his hand. Her trust issues, her fear of being abandoned, couldn't handle this yet. With more time, he would have gotten her there. But it was too damn soon for this. Mary gripped his arm, and he wanted to jerk away. No one touched him but Kenna. As if he'd called her name out loud, Kenna rounded the corner and stepped into view. The mere sight of her quieted the ceaseless wail of sound, drowning everything else out, allowing him to focus. My girl is so beautiful, so hurt when there's no reason. Couldn't she see the gaping hole in his chest where she fit so perfectly? Focus. He hadn't lost her yet. She was still there. The possessive beast inside him demanded he storm toward her, shake her, and kiss her until she stopped looking so devastated. Her loss of hope was an insult to that ferocious part of him. Logic, however, managed to wedge its foot in the door. She needed time to reason this out. This moment was equally important to both of them. He needed her trust. She needed to learn how to give it. It's just, you were gone so long. I couldn't just wait around, getting older. Mary sobbed into the sleeve of her coat, and Beck felt a pang of sympathy. He harbored no ill will for her. They'd been children with grown-up plans. 
and he didn't fault her for not wanting to put her life on hold for him. But I know I messed up bad, Beck. When I heard you were coming back, I thought maybe we could have a second chance. Beck didn't answer. Every ounce of his energy and attention focused on Kenna. Come on, remember what I promised you. Did she think he'd said those words this morning on a whim? Beck's reality shifted when Kenna took a step toward the side exit, her gaze bouncing back and forth between him and Mary. She placed a hand on the steel exit bar, and his blood went cold. No. If she left now, he would never convince her of his intentions, the truth of his feelings. It would start a pattern, and they'd never break free. The rush of sound in his ears started again. Kenna dropped her hand from the door, saying something under her breath, and Beck's pulse heated back up, started to race. When their gazes met, he saw bravery there and wanted to shout at the ceiling, thank God. Arms locked at her sides, Kenna came closer, staying just out of his reach. Hey, Mary? His ex-girlfriend jolted at the sound of another female voice, although how she could have missed his rapt attention on Kenna baffled him. Couldn't everyone tell he was taken? The fact was so carved in stone, it had to be stamped on every inch of his body. Mary swiped a hand across her eyes, darting a look between Kenna and Beck. Yes? I, um, Kenna shifted in her heels. You seem nice and all, which kind of blows. I was hoping you'd be evil, maybe wearing a coat made of puppies or something. She took a step toward Beck. But I'm sorry, you're going to have to fight me for him. For the first time in his life, he experienced what it felt like to be weak and strong, both at the same time. His limbs shook with the need to hold her, while his heart rumbled like an approaching locomotive, gaining power with each passing second. Kenna had already been his, but nothing would ever compare to hearing her make it official, despite her own fears. Nothing. Mary gave a resigned laugh. Looks like someone beat me to it. She wedged her purse beneath her arm. I can't even say I'm the least bit surprised. I knew if it wasn't me, a good woman was going to snatch you up one day and never let go. As Mary repeated the words Kenna had said to him their first night together, her mouth fell open. That's right, darling. You're a good woman, and I'm the luckiest fucking guy on the planet. Neither one of them broke eye contact as Mary turned and left the building. Beck wasn't sure he'd look anywhere but at Kenna ever again. So yeah, I'm fighting for you, she whispered. And I'll go with you to Georgia on one condition, which is. Her smile melted the remaining ice in his chest. I drive. Thank Christ. Beck lunged forward to grip the sides of her face. You don't have to fight for me, you crazy, gorgeous girl. His thumb swept across her cheeks. Neither of us has to fight. We won. Her laugh sounded slightly incredulous. I mean, 
I was really ready to throw down, though. Beck shook his head, dying to get started on the next 60 years with this girl. It's a good thing you held off, he murmured, watching her green eyes go smoky. Yeah, she knew what was coming. You're going to need your energy. She gasped as he dipped down, wrapped his arms behind her legs, and threw her over his shoulder. She recovered in time to smack his ass as they strode through the double doors, out into the night. Together. Epilogue. Kenna walked through the peach grove, a plastic jug of lemonade swinging by her side. Yeah, she was that girlfriend who brought refreshment to the hardworking men. So sue her. She'd worked damn hard herself that morning, having been commissioned by the local parks department for a statue honoring a local town legend, which just happened to be Beck's great-great-grandfather, a project she'd enjoyed all the more for its importance to her boyfriend. Beck. Kenna was grateful for the summer breeze lifting the hair off her neck, as the mere act of thinking his name heated every inch of her skin, sent a languorous thrill sliding down her spine. They'd arrived in Georgia two weeks ago, and true to his word, Beck had found her a workshop. Before they'd even unpacked, he'd begun clearing out a small barn adjacent to the house, working like a man possessed, despite her assurances that she could wait. His aim to solidify her place in Georgia, eliminating any and all excuses to leave, was clear as the bright blue southern sky above her. Watching back from the kitchen window as he'd carried lumber into the barn, she'd waited. Waited for her skittishness to return. Waited for her cowardly impulses to flare, sending her running back to Fort Black Rock, where she wouldn't have such pressure to hold up one end of a relationship. What did she know about relationships anyway? Nothing. And it didn't matter two shits. She had a man who cared enough to stay awake three nights in a row, building her a dream workshop, complete with Christmas lights and a hammock. A man who maintained just enough energy to flip her over upon finally returning to bed and claiming her like a lust-crazed animal. Yeah, you didn't question a single thing when a man like Beck found and kept you. So Kenna Sutton was holding on for dear life. Masculine voices reached her from up ahead in the clearing, a circle of pickup trucks peeking through the trees. Knowing Beck would be easy to spot, since he stood a foot taller than most, a smile was already beginning on Kenna's lips when she stepped off the path. The jug of lemonade slipped from her fingers, but she never heard it hit the ground. Beck didn't see her, being that he was in the process of loading crated peaches into the back of his red truck. Oh, but she certainly saw him. Today marked the first time she'd visited him in the grove and realized, with what little remained of her working brain, that he must have been showering in the bunkhouse before coming home each evening, because he was distinctly unshowered now. Dirt streaked his shirtless body, every sinewy inch. Some splotches had even made it up to his jaw, his neck, 
Rivers of sweat interrupted the dirt throughout, leaving beads of moisture on his stomach. Lower, even, where that V disappeared into his worn jeans. His back flexed as he loaded the crates, cords of muscle bunching all the way down to his ass, the top of which swelled above his waistband. Sweet Jesus, she didn't know where to look. There were several tears in his jeans around the thigh area. Had his thighs grown even bigger since they'd driven south? Kenna's mouth was parched, her palms damp. An invisible fist ground itself along the inside of her pelvis, creating such an immediate pressure to find relief. She must have made a sound, because Beck's head whipped around, twin blue eyes homing in on her with a mate's precision. He loaded the crate in his hands and started in her direction, those long strides making mincemeat of the ground. And she couldn't help her baser nature, Gaze dipping to the crotch of his jeans, where his manhood was clearly outlined by the sweat-moistened denim. No underwear today. As if Beck heard her thought out loud, his hand dropped down to adjust his bulk, and the sight almost killed her. Hey, darling, you walked all the way out here? When Beck's towering form reached her, he stooped down to pick up the fallen and forgotten Lemonade jug, before rising to run concerned eyes over her person. I would have come and picked you up. Pick me up. Pick me up now. No, I... I enjoyed the walk. For the first time, she became aware of the grove workers watching just beyond Beck's shoulder. At once, her arousal and need for Beck felt so obvious that hot nerves forced her back a step. She'd come out here in a thin, white cotton dress, carrying lemonade. Couldn't even wait until he came home for a fix. His fellow workmen probably thought her shameless and horny, which was sadly accurate at the moment. I brought lemonade to the menfolk. How lame is that, right? She tugged on the hem of her dress, like some wannabe Martha Stewart. When she tried to take back the lemonade container from Beck, he pulled it out of her reach. Kenna, you stand in my orchard, holding this lemonade is just about the best thing I've ever seen in my whole life. His eyes trailed down the front of her body, then shot back up as if he still found it disrespectful to ogle her. And if you don't mind me saying so, in that dress, you look about the furthest thing from Martha Stewart. Beneath the cotton, her nipples turned tight peaks. I didn't realize you got so dirty when you worked out here. She couldn't believe it when the tips of his ears turned red, his hand reaching for a rag that had been stuffed into his back pocket. I try and get it all off before I come home to you, darling. Before Beck could use the rag to wipe away the dirt, Kenna stepped forward and snagged his wrist. Leave it. I like it. With an audible swallow, Beck's gaze fell to her staying hand. Why? His thickened tone of voice grabbed Kenna by the ovaries and shook. You look, um... I don't know if I can put it into words. Try for me. 
Hot. Kenna's breath shuddered out. Male. Just huge, hot, and male. A male that uses his body to make a living, then comes home and uses it to... Say it, he rasped. To fuck, she whispered, made bolder by the way his eyes blazed. Fuck his girlfriend until she forgets how to speak properly, or can even make it through an afternoon without feeling him moving inside of her. Conscious of the men watching, Kenna tried to be discreet about dropping her attention to Beck's erection. So heavy and prominent, she sucked in a breath. Without taking eyes off her, Beck turned his head and shouted over his shoulder, Head on out to the South Orchard. I'll be along in a while. They both stood perfectly still as the group of men climbed into their vehicles and started to depart, one by one. You can do that? Kenna breathed, not giving a damn that she sounded like a starry-eyed teenager. Maybe she was one just then, looking at her boyfriend in all his rugged, masculine glory, watching him order men around. Back nodded once, coming closer to fill her vision completely, blocking everything else out. Yes, I can do that. This is my land, Kenna. He twisted a hand in her dress and tugged her up against him. If you let me have my way, it'll be yours too. Someday very soon. Behind Beck, the last truck drove off in a cloud of dust, giving Kenna's fingers the green light to reach out, releasing her boyfriend's arousal from his jeans and shoving the damp garment down past his hips to reveal him. Yes. I want that, she whispered, rubbing the underside of his girth with her palm. I want all of you. With a rough groan, Beck tugged a condom from his front right pocket. But some instinct had Kenna taking away the foil square and letting it slip to the ground, giving Beck a meaningful look the whole time. Such a small action, but it seemed to crack Beck wide open. His growl ripped the air between them a second before their mouths began to wrestle for a decent taste. Kenna's stroking grip was covered by Beck's powerful hand, assisting her in jacking him off. Hard. Fast. He broke off on a loud groan, then focused in on her with an obvious effort. Kenna, be sure. Be real sure. Once I have you this way... Once there's a chance you could bear our children, I'm making you my wife. Nothing will stop me. Her heart joined with her body to revel in him, quickening with a swiftness that stole her sanity until she was just talking, babbling, saying anything that popped into her mind. Look at you. You're the kind of man who takes what he wants. She rubbed her thinly covered breasts against his sweaty chest uncaring that the dress would be soiled. You wanted me, and you took me. Isn't that right? Yes, Beck panted, mouth descending to suck at her cleavage. Yes, I took you because you were mine, Kenna, mine. Yes, always. You're the kind of man who wants to see his woman's belly swell, aren't you? His hands were lifting her dress, 
nearly ripping the material in an effort to get it off. His desperate grunts almost deafening in her ears. You don't know any other way to live, except for keeping what belongs to you any way you can. I want to belong to you. I want to be full of you. Kenna felt the potency of the shift inside him. That monstrous click, when Beck's sweet side was eclipsed by something wicked. A wicked and delicious something she'd come to crave. My men knew. When they left, they knew what I was going to do to you. They knew. And I don't care. I want everyone to know I'll fuck my woman whenever she needs it, because I'm her provider in all things. I don't care if that's wrong. Nothing between us is wrong. Kenna didn't know how she managed words when her body was already experiencing the distinct tightening of an oncoming climax. God, he never stopped surprising her, or finding a new way to turn her on to the point of lunacy. She bent forward to remove her panties, licking the salty tip of his erection as she did so. Beck was having none of it, though, and she knew it was because of what she'd promised, what was to come. Beck tangled his hand in Kenna's hair, tucking her head back and leaning over her, his hot breath ghosting over her lips. Get up on my cock where you belong. Kenna moaned and squeezed her thighs together to prevent an early orgasm. Lord, she couldn't think or see anything but him as she hooked her shaking knee over his chiseled hip and hefted herself up. Two calloused hands found her bottom, assisting Kenna's descent onto her man's rampant arousal. Their groans collided as she slid down, down, stopping only when she couldn't take any more. Oh, 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 Beck, Jesus Christ. Again, the flow of words couldn't be stemmed. I need you so many ways all the time. I can barely stand it. Please, please. Stop. You know I can't go slow when you tell me you need me. Back grated against her lips. I wanted us in our bed the first time. The first time? She managed on an expulsion of breath. Back licked his perspiration-dotted lips, nodding. The first time I get you pregnant. Kenna's inner walls drew on him like a suctioning mouth, and she let out a scream, cut off by back stinging slap against her backside. Shh, darling, don't lose your voice again. I can't live anymore without hearing you say my name. Back, back, she sobbed. I'm dying. No, you're not. I won't let you, he crooned, giving her throat a long drag of his tongue. Daddy is gonna take care of everything, isn't he? Feeling hypnotized, Kenna nodded. Yes. He walked them backward until he could rest one hand on a peach tree, using the opposite forearm to support her hungry, undulating body. Now go on and work the seed out of me. Don't stop until you've gotten all of it. Beck's husky groans and slaps of Kenna's flesh filled the orchard. This has been The Major's Welcome Home by Tessa Bailey. Read for you by Lauren Sweet.
And we're back. We're back. Hey. Hey. So like I said on Monday, I'm not prepared for this week very well, but you can buy fix you can buy my uh, latest release, which is Fix Her Up, and you can pre-order the next in the next book in that series, which is called Lover or Loser, which is about a married couple trying to uh, get back on track very sexy and very hot because they've never gone off track in the bedroom so that that, that book was inspired by esther perel actually so dated, i actually dedicated the book to her so i love it if you guys are looking for new releases you can go to the quick links tab and check them out there there's a lot this week so yes there's a lot of good ones even a lauren donner's in there i was just about to say that was on my list of shit to talk about was lauren donner's book with latte <laughs> so there's, I've been working on the post this morning, but it'll be up Wednesday or Thursday. Well, it's Friday. So what's up, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Go to readmeromance.com. Um, I'm sure I'm doing a giveaway. I think I'm doing swag and sign books giveaway. So go to. Um, read- yeah, you're doing a Read Me Romance swag box and a signed copy of Fixer Up. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. <laughs> Melissa just is made a picture. <laughs> I think I have a thing for Heat Stroke is on sale for 99 cents. It's still on sale. Okay. It is? Yes. Yeah, you didn't yes. take it off, so oh, I made a picture for it. <laughs> no, that's Well, okay. don't take it it's down sick. now. Uh, no, don't take it down now. It's pro- today's the last day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today's the last day. I'll take it off. It's going to not be on sale by tomorrow. I, I completely forgot yes. about that. Wow. Shows you, that's okay. Shows you how uh, on top of it I've been lately. That's all right. Uh, okay. We uh, will be back on Monday with Tegan Hunter. The book is called Texting Up My Heart, I believe. And it's full of laughs. Sorry. Yeah, texted up my heart. No, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's very funny. You guys don't want to yeah. miss it. It's like the cutest mm-hmm. thing. I read it last night. Okay, Leah, tell them what to do. <laughs> Fuck your day up. Make you say you're a bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. 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 Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.